expectations are what get you in trouble in life. Let me say that again. Expectations are what get you in trouble in life. And nowhere is this more problematic, more visceral than with family, with spouses, with siblings, with grandma and grandpa. Don't believe me? You just remember, for those of you that have been married a long time, remember back when the, you had your first year of marriage and you were having to decide how to celebrate Christmas. There was your way of doing Christmas and there was their way of doing Christmas and they weren't the same, were they? Family expectations. Woo! I hit, I hit family expectations head on as a young man, I was a straight A student. I did well on standardized tests. And so I had options. I, I had five or six colleges that I had applied to and that were interested in me. And I could have been any major that I wanted to. But, but when I went to college and when I announced to the family that I was going to become a Bible and theology major, boom, I got pushback. I got pushed back from my mom. I got pushed back from Grandpa John who wanted to know why I was throwing my life away. Family expectations. I, I have, I have had the privilege over the years of actually knowing several folks who became the first person in their family to go to college. Their parents scrimped and saved and paid for it. And so when they finish that degree, when they graduate, when they uh, had that college degree, there were strong expectations with what they were going to do with their life, with what they were going to do with that college degree. Right or wrong, those expectations were there. See, here's the thing. I believe God has expectations of us. I believe God has expectations of us. This month, in the month of January 2021, we're kind of piggybacking off the virtue focus for our kids. And that, that virtue focus is the virtue of responsibility, showing you can be trusted with what is expected of you. Here's what most of us often don't realize about God. God actually has expectations of us. God has expectations of us. Jesus spells this out. He spells this out. And so today I want to I want to look at a parable that he tells at the end of his ministry in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. I'm going to read it and I want to I want to draw out a few things from this passage. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 
But the servant who received the one bag of silver, <laughs> he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a, a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I, I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew! That's a powerful parable, isn't it? That's a powerful story. Jesus is saying some strong things. So let me draw out a few things from this parable. First of all, this is one of several parables in chapter 25 that have to do with faithfulness, with have to do with being ready for the Lord's return. And the word used is talenta. Literally, they just... They just moved it over and made it an English word that had never existed before. Talents. Talenta. But five talents was, was the equivalent of about $3 million. Now, how do I get that? Well, one talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. And a day laborer's wage in the United States in 2021 is about $30,000. So one talent would be worth about $613,000. Five talents would be worth $3 million, And two talents would be worth $1.2 million. So, so as you can see, these are, these are not small amounts that the master is giving these servants. And the first two servants double the investment. They double the amount but I want to focus on the third servant and I want to draw out just one simple, uh, one simple thing, okay? 
The third servant hides the bag, hides the, the talent in the ground. Why? Why would he do that? Jesus makes the connection. The third servant's actions stem from the man's attitude about his master. He believes that his master is harsh. He's afraid. There's no trust. There's no goodwill. Gang, wrong attitudes about God will cause you to sit on your hands. Wrong attitudes about God will cause you to sit on your hands. I know people that because of the twists and turns of life, because of life's disappointments, because of moments and times where they think to themselves, God, why, why didn't you? God, you should have. And, and so they don't trust God. And often for, for legitimate reasons, for the kinds of twists and turns in life that can come our way. But that mistrust often results in inaction if the attitudes are left to fester and grow and become the dominant way that you see God. Wrong attitudes about God can cause you to sit on your hands. So in light of this passage, let me just ask the obvious question. What has God put in your hands? What has God put in your hands? Now, let me suggest some practical ways that we can take this home. First of all, use what's in your hands for the kingdom of God. We have spent the past several months at Generations Community Church talking about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? How do you know the kingdom is among you? What does the kingdom look like? What are the values of the kingdom? What is God up to in the world? The kingdom, okay? So use what's in your hands for the kingdom of God. And let me, let me draw out some basic things. Time, money, gifts and abilities, experiences. Often there's a powerful thing that happens if you've ever lost a pregnancy or lost a child. When you encounter someone who's gone through that same loss, God can use that. And let me tell you, I know that we all have only 24 hours in a day but when you use your time, when you give time to someone else, to, to a ministry or, or something like the food pantry or to a teenager in our youth group, they receive and know the value of what you're giving because time is so precious. Use what's in your hands for the kingdom of God. Secondly, quit worrying about what others have. Five talents is not the same as two talents, and two talents is not the same as one talents. But the first two servants are praised the exact same way, even though what they are given is different. Quit worrying about what others have. Third, I think I need to remind us that God is not an American, okay? God is not an American. God does not exclusively live in the United States. See, God made the whole world and all of the people on the world, on this planet Earth. 
And so God looks all over the world, in the United States, in India, in China, and even in places like Pogo Pogo, like he looks everywhere, Thailand, Mexico, Poland. And when God's looking at the whole world, can we just be honest for a moment? For those of us who are Americans, he has given us more. When it comes to wealth, when it comes to money, he has given us more than he's given people in so many other places. Make it count. Make it count. If you've been sitting on your hands, if you've not been investing much, let me ask a simple question. How do you see God? How do you see God? The third servant was convinced that his master was harsh. Is it possible that there are some heart things that need to happen? How do you see God? Here's why this is important, gang. Look, this life is not all there is. Let me say that again. This life is not all there is. What you and I do here actually impacts the next life. There is going to be a one day, someday, day of the Lord, resurrection day, judgment day. And on that day, I don't want you to look back on this life with regret. So I got to ask, what has God put in your hands? He's given you something. It may not be as much as what your parents have or your brother has or what the lady down the street has. It may not seem fair, but what has God put in your hands?